0: You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Coke, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Today, we are talking about benefits, open enrollment, and just a crash course on what the heck that even means. And so this episode is actually maybe for some of your employees and or yourself, if you are maybe still working somewhere and enrolling in benefits, or maybe you're even enrolling in benefits yourself. I've been doing a lot of calls with teams and really going over a lot of this stuff and benefits one hundred and one. And and I, I'm finding that they're not super excited to talk about it when I put it on the calendar, at, at which I completely understand. Benefits is not something I necessarily love. But I feel like it's kind of one of those things like finance sometimes where you like put off learning about it because it's just boring, but it's something you really should know about. And so wanted just to share a little bit about what the heck all of this means. And it is really that time of year um, where you do start to look into new benefit plans. And a lot of times benefits renew as of January 1st. Although fun fact, your benefits for your team and your company they can really start any time of the year, um, depending on when you decided to start offering them. So if you started to offer benefits, let's say, let's say it's like June, and you are like, you know what, we're in a financial position to offer medical benefits, I want to get that. You're going to take out plans in June, and then every year they renew. So you may be a little bit off cycle. There's ways to get back onto to a January 1st date if you want, but it's usually... Kind of the time when when people do that, and also for private insurance, it's also the time when you're starting to enroll in your coverage as well. Um, I have to do that for my own personal plan, and I'll share some of the things I'm thinking about. So, in terms of benefits, what does it mean? What is open enrollment? All of that jazz. So, what's happening now with some clients is we're going through a benefits renewal process where. We as a business owner or me as my client's um, kind of HR rep, I am reaching out to our benefits brokers and having them get some plan and rate info for different benefit plans for, for next year. And so we go out and get plan rates for different providers. And then we look at different things like, do we want to contribute the same or more to our employees' monthly premiums than we did you know, for this year or years prior. And how a lot of my clients are looking at this is they are smaller groups usually. And so they don't have the ability to go out and negotiate big group rates because they're oftentimes less than 100 employees. And you need usually you need about that many to to really go out and negotiate. Um, group rates. So how they benchmark their contribution is they will identify usually three to four plans. Some benefit providers and, and networks that you can join that offer like hundreds of plans. And honestly, like a lot of times employers think that's great because it gives their employees options, but I have found it's just confusing and employees don't know what to choose. So I recommend you offer three to four and you will identify a plan that you will use as your base plan. So what that means is you will identify a plan that you are going to base your contribution on. Then you'll decide how much you want to contribute. So I would say I mean it's across the board a lot of there's a lot of employers or a few clients of mine now who are starting to provide 100% of the premium for the base plan so that their team members do have a free insurance option and that's a really generous kind thing to do otherwise I would say 50 to 80% is definitely something that that I've seen then what that means is you as as the business owner pay 50% of that employee's premium and then they pay the the remainder out of their paychecks What then happens is if you do want to offer a richer coverage plan, say a really great PPO or something like that, which I'm going to go into the difference on some of these things too, but let's say you want to offer more richer coverage plans that obviously cost more, then you can have the employee pay the difference. So you would take the amount that you would contribute to that base plan based on whatever you want to do or whatever you can do financially, and then they pay the difference. Um, and they pay that out of their paychecks. And so during the benefit renewal process, you're looking at like, do we want to change our contribution percentages? This is also the time where you decide on the waiting period that employees have to wait in order to um, qualify for your benefits. I highly suggest that you make benefit plans effective the first of the month after an employee starts. I guess it depends on your demographic of employees, but For most of my clients, that well, all of my clients, that is what I recommend, and here's why. When your employee new hires come to join your organization, they are quitting a job usually. What happens is if they were on their former employee's insurance, they will have that insurance until the end of the month, then which is their last day. So for example, if it is November 15th, Um, is the last day of your new hires at their former employer, and they're starting with you, say, November 20th, they're going to lose their employer's insurance. Their current insurance will expire at the end of November, and then they will be eligible for COBRA to enroll in COBRA starting December 1st. And what COBRA is, is insurance continuation where they can enroll to with, directly with the insurance provider, essentially, to pay those premiums 100%, and there's usually like a 2% premium or something like that. So it's very expensive, but they can do that so there's no lapse in coverage. And so if you have a waiting period where they have to, they're eligible to enroll in benefits the first of the month, 30 days after they start, or 60 days after they start, they're either going to have to enroll in COBRA for two months or they're going to have to go without benefits for two months because they're not going to be able to enroll in yours until that waiting period. Right. And so that is something that employees are starting to really look at and it can sway hiring decisions. So I think for most situations, the cost of providing benefits to somebody the first of the month immediately after, or like right after they start the benefit definitely outweighs the cost. And so I highly recommend you do not have a waiting period aside from the first of the month after they start. So that that's another thing you look at during the benefits renewals is, do you want to change your contribution amount? Do you want to change your waiting period? Do you want to add any? Other benefits such as dental or vision or an HSA or FSA, a lot of times other benefits don't have to correspond with medical insurance. So for example, if you want to offer a 401k, you can do that at any point of the year. You don't have to do that during this benefits open enrollment. This is really for medical and healthcare insurance, but it's nice to kind of have stuff and It's easier for administration to like, Roll out all of your new benefit offerings at the same time. So, like, are you going to change your PTO policy for next year? Are you going to start to offer other, like, other things? It's kind of nice just to roll it out in one false swoop versus like doing it over time. Although you can, there's nothing that says you can't, but it, I, I do think it's easier to do it all in one false swoop. Oh, life insurance is also something you need to add during this time period. And that's a nice benefit. Same with disability, long term, short term disability, also things to consider. The other thing to think about is do your employees like the benefits provider? You know, are you using Blue Shield? Do you want to switch to United Health Group? Like, do your employees enjoy the carrier that you have? And if not, should you switch carriers? And sometimes people, something to keep in mind is switching carriers every year just to save a dollar isn't always helpful and can actually be frustrating for employees because sometimes their doctors are not on different providers. So um, if you have a Blue Shield plan and you switch to a United Health Group plan, a lot of times they're the same, but sometimes they're not. And so that can be hard and frustrating for teams, especially if you are switching you know, every year just to save a couple bucks. Um, so I don't re- recommend doing that. So those are the things that you look at when you are looking to renew your benefits. I mean, there's some really great brokers out there that can help with this, but I do think it's important, you know, and don't as an owner, like why you're making some of these decisions versus just doing what they tell you to do. Like you should have a little bit of the why behind why you're doing it. Right? So that is what you're doing. And so then what happens is once you land on the benefit plans that you're offering for the next year, Then you go into what is called, or you prepare for an open enrollment period. And this is the time of year where the one time a year that employees can make changes to their benefits. I also want to back up and say that every year plans change with providers. So I'm I'm backing up a second. If you're like, I just want to keep offering the same stuff that, that we offered this year. Well, sometimes the provider gets rid of that plan or they change it slightly. So it's not as great. So you want to look at them and rates always increase. Always, always, always this year, I think I've been seeing anywhere from 8% to 15% increases in premiums. Um, And so that inevitably is an increased cost to you as well as your your employees. Okay. So open enrollment. So now you've decided what you're going to offer. You have to create an open enrollment period. And that's usually like a week or two window where employees will select or waive coverage. They have to do both. So if they're not going to enroll in benefits and you offer them, they need to waive or essentially decline coverage. Um, a lot of times you do this in some sort of tool or that you use, or they need to enroll. Even if they're doing the same, the same plan and everything, they need to re-enroll. So this is the only time of year they can cancel coverage for any reason, change coverage for any reason, or enroll for any reason. So like Let's say they didn't enroll when they first started because they only have 30 days from their first, from the date that they're eligible for benefits to enroll. So if you allow your new hires to, to enroll in benefits the first of the month after they start, and they don't actually do it until 60 days, they forget too bad, too sad. They can't enroll. And so it's important you let their team know this. Um, most employees don't know a lot of these things. Um, so let's say they missed it. Open enrollment is now their time when they can enroll. The other time in during the year that somebody can make plan changes m- mid-year is if they have a life qualifying event. And a life qualifying event is essentially a, a life situation change, right? So like you get married, you get divorced, you have a baby, adopt a child. You lose health coverage because you've lost a job or changed jobs. You lose eligibility for like Medicaid, Medicare, et cetera. Or if you're turning 26 and you're getting kicked off of your parents' plan, wah, wah. that's a change in coverage. Um, so those are all things that trigger an employee to be able to enroll in benefits. And sometimes employees don't know that, especially when they're turning 26, they have no idea. So they're like, oh yeah, I got kicked off my parents' insurance two months ago. Can I enroll in mine? No, you can't because you have to do it within 30 days of that life qualifying event. And oftentimes you have to prove it with documentation. So if you do have anyone on your team who is kind of of that age, it's so important you let them know because they're, they oftentimes may not know. They can either... So employees can make changes during open enrollment, or after a life qualifying event. So what they're going to do then is select the benefits they want. There's two, I mean, there's more than two, but I would say the most common different types of benefits that are offered are an HMO plan and a PPO plan. For sake of education, I'm going to share what those are. So an HMO is a health maintenance organization. And it basically is an organization of in-network Medical providers. So you're required to go see doctors within this network. You can't go see outside, out of network providers. And you also have to see a primary care physician in order to go see a specialist. So let's say you need to go see a knee surgeon, you will need to go see your primary care doctor first. And they will recommend and write you a approval like, to go see that knee surgeon. Um, you can't just call up said knee surgeon and be like, yo, I need to come get surgery. Like you have to follow a set process. HMOs are also usually, the premiums are usually lower. Um, and also just overall costs are usually lower because there's, it's just easier for administration. Billing is easier. So it definitely is a lower cost oftentimes than a PPO. The other thing is, is HMOs are often location dependent. So if you are somebody, so for example, I currently have an HMO here in Arizona. If I get hurt at home in Minnesota visiting my family, I am shit out of luck. Like I can't go see a doctor there. If it's like a major, if it's like something super like emergency, you can usually fight to get it covered. But Just like if I'm sick, I got an ear infection, like I got to pay all out of pocket. So um, they're oftentimes location and location dependent. So if you have employees located across the country, you may not want to have your base plan be an HMO plan that's only available in one state because your employees are not going to be who live outside of that area will not be able to enroll in that base plan. So A PPO is a preferred provider organization. So that essentially allows you to choose any physician at any time to go see. So you can go see that knee surgeon if you know you need surgery without having to go to your primary care physician first. Um, You're also able to see in-network and out-of-network and t- insurances typically on a PPO plan will cover the cost of an out-of-network visit, where on an HMO plan, you, you're going to have to pay out of pocket. So similar to if I was on a, a PPO plan living in Arizona and I got, I went back to Minnesota and got sick, I could go find a doctor that even if it was out-of-network, my insurance would cover some of it. And the freedom and flexibility that a PPO provides Typically means that premiums are higher, costs get a lot more complicated, claims and billing gets more complicated, but you do have the ability to go see people in and out of network. So that's the difference between an HMO and a PPO. It's nice to offer both options um, to your team. And then there's, other, some, there's some other like defining terms that I think could be helpful for you to know about insurance and just what it means and how to look at them if you're personally enrolling in Benefits. So the first would be a premium. So so you're going to get plan documents and you can like look at them and they're going to highlight some of what these are. The percentages they provide, the dollar amount they provide, all of that stuff. The premium is the monthly rate paid for the insurance plan. Oftentimes that's shared by an employer and an employee. So that's the monthly cost is the premium then there is a copay or a copayment. And that is a fixed dollar amount that you have to pay for each visit. And oftentimes that amount changes based on the type of visit you're doing. So if you are doing a preventative like routine visit, a lot of times those are zero. Um, If you have to go to the ER, sometimes that can be $500. One time I broke my arm (laughs) Um, snowboarding not that long ago. I was in my 30s they didn't have a urgent care in the town i was at they only had an emergency room and i looked at my copay, it was $500 i didn't know it was broken and actually i don't think it would have mattered but i was like hell no i'm not paying $500 i'm waiting till i get home and can go to urgent care for 35 so i waited 3 days which was good because by the time we got to to the urgent care the swelling had gone down a little bit and they were able to actually put a cast on it so if i would have went to and spent $500 they would have probably not been able to put it on anyways, but that's what a copay is, right? So you want to look at that. Um, You don't want to be surprised with any, any bills that come in. A deductible. A deductible is a fixed dollar amount that you will have to pay out of pocket each calendar year before your plan starts reimbursing you or providing coverage. So same situation. I broke my arm. I was on a plan that had, I think, a $2,500 deductible. This is so so annoying. I broke my arm in November. Okay, I fractured my wrist. I should broke my arm seems a little dramatic, but it sounds way cooler. I fractured my wrist or actually I fractured my arm going into the wrist. So technically I did break my arm. Anyways, it happened in November and I had it obviously like go to these appointments. I ended up paying $2,500 that year just for all the doctor's visits to get the cast and all that stuff. And I had to pay for that out of pocket, even though I had been paying my insurance premium every single month. Once I hit that deductible, then my insurance kicked in and I had to pay like 20% bill of the bills or something like that. However, uh, my cast didn't come off until after, after January 1st of the next year. So guess what? All of like the cash removal and the PT appointments, all of that, I also had to pay out of pocket because my new deductible started over as of the first of the year. So that is what a deductible is. It's how much you have to pay out of pocket before your insurance starts to kick in. And then you'll see co-insurance. So essentially what that means is like once your deductible is met, that's the percentage of the bill that you will be responsible for paying. It's not always true that as soon as you hit your deductible that you don't have to pay for anything again for the rest of the year. It's actually usually where you do still have to pay a percentage. And so that's what coinsurance is if you're looking at your benefit plan documents. And then you'll see an out-of-pocket limit. That number is higher than your deductible. And that is because when you hit your deductible and insurance starts kicking in to help cover the cost, you still have to pay some, Right. Then there's a max out-of-pocket. So oftentimes that's like $8,000, I don't know, $7,000. That's how much you will have to pay for your visits. And then after that amount, your insurance pays 100%. So that's the most that you have to pay out-of-pocket. And then after you hit that amount, then insurance covers things 100%. So those are all important things to look at when you are deciding on not only the plans to offer your team, but also the plans for you to enroll. So it's hard to know because everyone is so different, but, um, you know, if you, if your team is fairly young and they're, you know, likely not to have a lot of dependence on the plan, they, they may not need a bunch of super rich, rich plans. You may want to offer one, or you may, you yourself, like if you're, if you're somebody who doesn't go to the doctor very often doesn't have a lot of prescriptions, you may not want to pay a higher premium for a better plan that you may not use at all. And so for me personally, I'm healthy. I prefer to spend my money on holistic things such as um, supplements, chiropractic, you know, all of that stuff. So I prefer to have a lower monthly cost because I then allocate the money I would spend on a insurance plan towards my chiropractic appointments and things like that but I do want something if I break my arm snowboarding, right? So I typically have a higher deductible plan, but that's a lower premium because it's more just like catastrophic coverage versus something because I don't, I'm not on any prescriptions or, or anything like that. So those are the things to kind of think about. Um, now, if you do have prescriptions that you have to have every day, if you do have a family that's going to the doctor a lot, if you have to, you know, regularly go to a lot of different appointments you may be in a slightly different situation than that and not want and want to pay higher monthly premiums to have less um, out-of-pocket overall. So that is my spiel about benefits. Hopefully, I didn't bore you too much. I only took 24 minutes of your time. So, and I hope you learned something. I think everyone should know about this and not just ignore it until they need it, right? I think sometimes you do that, you're like, well, I didn't know until all of a sudden you get a bill and you're like, I didn't realize this when I signed up with benefits. So now you know. So hopefully this helps you decide which benefit plans you want to enroll in next year. And thanks for tuning in. Share this with your team. If you have a team going through something, um, share this podcast with them so they can learn a little bit about benefits as well. I'm so grateful you tuned in. We'll talk again soon. Speaking of the power of people, I'd be honored to read your written review of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard and have suggestions on how to make this show more impactful, please show your support by taking a few minutes to let me know what you think. See you next time.